Daniel chapter 11. And we're looking at a tragic end or a new beginning. We'll be looking at verses 45 of Daniel chapter 11 through chapter 12, verse 3. Now, in the, these four verses, Daniel is going to portray a grand panorama of future events, a coming battle of cosmic proportions, a time of trouble the like of which the world has never seen, and the demise of the Antichrist, the description of an everlasting destiny of human beings and the urgent need to shine the gospel light in this present darkness. Now, throughout this series, we have emphasized, I think, uh, especially in these latter chapters here, since biblical prophecy is true, what should we do? Uh, we've seen how that prophecy of, uh, uh, that's already taken place uh, and, and fulfilled has happened, so we uh, really don't have any reason to doubt that the prophecy concerning the future will happen as well. So we're looking at the last verse of chapter 11 and the first three verses of chapter 12, and uh, let's note them to begin with here. Um, Verse 45 of chapter 11, And he shall plant the tabernacles of his palace between the seas in the glorious holy mountain, yet he shall come to his end, and none shall help him. At that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since never was since there was a nation even to that same time. And at that time thy people shall be delivered, every one, that shall be found written in the book. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And they that be wise shall be shine as the brightness of firmament, and they, shall, they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. I want you to notice, first of all here, the worst time of trouble. That's what we just read there in verses 45 through verse 1 of chapter 12. Uh, the words of Daniel, chapter 12, verse 1, prophesy, and at that time. Uh, let's just take a few minutes to think about the events of that time. It's going to be a time of trouble or distress such as never was since there was a nation even to that same time. In other words, this was the worst time in the past, the present, and the future of the world. Now, what will happen during this time? Well, uh, this is the time of the end, a time appointed, as it says back in chapter 11, verse 35. And as we learned in the last few messages, uh, this time period is dominated by the reign of terror of an arrogant antichrist, a, the wicked warrior, an ultimate human aggressor. And about this coming time, Jesus said in Matthew 24 and verse 21, for then shall be great tribulation, such as not, uh, was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be again. I want you to notice here, in the worst time of trouble, heaven's angelic warrior will defend God's chosen people, and that uh, the God's chosen people is Israel. That's what verse uh, 
1 there of chapter 12. And at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince which stands for the children of thy people. He's talking about Israel. Uh, God will send his archangel Michael to wage a spiritual warfare to defend the nation of Israel. Michael, who's described as an archangel in Jude, verse 9, was actually introduced back in chapter 10 of Daniel. Uh, and in direct answer to Daniel's prayer, the archangel was sent to him to reveal what would happen in the last days. Now here in Daniel chapter 12, verse 1, we find that Michael will rise to defend the nation of Israel from the dark forces that are against it. So heaven's angelic warrior will defend God's chosen people. Secondly, earth's arrogant warrior will come to a tragic end. Back in chapter 11, verse 45, And he shall plant the tabernacles of his palace between the seas and the glorious holy mountain, yet he shall come to his end, and none shall help him. Uh, the Antichrist will exalt himself in Israel, and then he's going to be utterly destroyed. The phrase there, between the seas, that's a reference be, uh, to the Mediterranean Sea to the west and the Dead Sea, or Salt Sea, as it's referred to in Joshua 18, verse 19, between the Mediterranean Sea and the Dead Sea. According to 2 Thessalonians 2 and verse 4, the Antichrist will exalt himself as a god in the temple at Jerusalem. Now, I think it's likely that Jesus referred to this in Matthew 24 and verse 15. So how will the Antichrist be defeated and destroyed? Well, that brings us to the great battle of Armageddon. Now you need to turn to Revelation chapter 16 uh, for uh, information concerning uh, this. Revelation chapter 16, verse 12 uh, through 16. Notice what it says in Revelation 16, beginning in verse 12. And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates, and the water thereof was dried up, and the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits, like frogs, come out of the mouth of the dragon, and of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they that were spirits of the devils, working miracles, which go forth unto the kings of the earth, and the whole earth, or the whole world, to gather them to battle of the great day of God Almighty. Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. And he gathered them together into a place called in the Hebrew tongue Armageddon. And the final battle of Armageddon will come as all nations will gather against Israel. Uh, the unholy trinity, the devil, the Antichrist, and the false prophet. That's going to be, that's really what we could call an unholy trinity. They were going to send demons together to gather the nations against Israel. I think it's important for us to remember that the Most High God rules the kingdoms of men. We're told that back in Daniel chapter 4. Uh, this is especially clear in passages like Zechariah 14 and verse 2, where the Lord prophesied, where he said, I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle. You see, the Lord is still in control. And again in Joel chapter 3 and verse 2, where the Lord predicted, I will also gather all nations and will bring them down into the valley of Jehoshaphat and will plead with them that their 
There my, for my people and my heritage Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations and parted my land. And what will the result of the battle of Armageddon be? Well, here in Daniel 11, verse 45, tells us he, that is the Antichrist, will, shall come to his end and none shall help him. Now, Revelation chapter 19 and verse 20 explains, And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, with which he deceived them that he had received the mark of the beast, and them that worshipped his image. These both are cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. Now, will the Antichrist be burned up or annihilated in the lake of fire? Well, if we look at Revelation 20 and verse 10, it describes the event 1,000 years later. It says, And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. So here we have the unholy trinity, the devil, the antichrist, and the false prophet tormented in the lake of fire for all eternity. That's a time of trouble. Secondly, time of deliverance. I might have run my battery out there. That's probably what happened. Uh, a time of deliverance. Uh, chapter 12, verse 1. And at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince, which standeth for the children of Israel, or children of thy people. And there shall come a time of trouble, such as never was since. And uh, then it says, At the, that time that thy people shall be delivered. Now, Michael will be needed to help deliver Israel during this trying period. Israel will also require the assistance of such a mighty angel because Antichrist will be energized by the powerful evil angel Satan himself. Now, one of the purposes of these years of great distress will be to cause Israel to see its true Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. We know that uh, Israel is not recognizing Jesus. Now, thank God there are some in Israel who do recognize him as the Messiah. But as a country as a whole, they're not doing that. And so this is going to uh, happen to help them recognize uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. Zechariah chapter 12 verse 10 predicts this coming revival in Israel. He says there, And I will pour upon the house of David, upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the spirit of grace and of supplications, and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn for him as one mourns for his only son. And then in Zechariah chapter 13 and verse 1, it predicts, In that day there shall be a fountain open to the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and uncleanness. And that's going to be one of the greatest revivals that ever takes place. Someone wrote, When the Lord pours out his Spirit, precious promise of his grace, then his people shall behold him and his welcoming embrace. Then the blessed house of David shall cry out and humbly pray, and a fountain for their cleansing shall be opened in that day. Now, what is meant by the phrase, everyone that shall be written in the book? 
Well, I think we probably know, most of us would know, this is called the book of life, right? The book of life that's described in Philippians chapter 4, verse 3, where Paul said, Helped, Help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with all other uh, fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. So from that verse, we understand the names of believers are written in God's book of life. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, if, if you're one of God's children, your name is in that book. All right? Revelation chapter 21 explains that only those whose names are written in the book of life will be granted access to heaven. Now, by contrast, we learn in Revelation 13, verses 8 and 9, that by worshiping the Antichrist, people will reveal that their names were not written in the book of life. Revelation 13, and verse 8, And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. If any man have ear, let him hear. So Jesus placed great emphasis on being sure your name is written in the book of life. On one occasion, uh, there were 70 of his disciples that returned from various missions trips, and they made a startling announcement. Lord, even the demons are subject to us through thy name. Luke 10, and verse 17. Think about it. Christ's disciples exercise power over the demons, but Jesus said there's something far more important than that. He said, notwithstanding in this, rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. More important than dealing with demons is that your name be written in heaven. In other words, it's extremely important that every one of us is certain that his or her name is written in the book of life. Now, the time of resurrection and revelation of eternal uh, destinies is number three. And we look at chapter 12, verse 2 and 3. It says, And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and that they turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. Now, after this horrific great tribulation, Multitudes are going to be raised from the dead. And using the illustration of sleep to represent death, it's very common in the scriptures. Uh, if you go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, where it talks about uh, the rapture, uh, it talks about being caught up. Well, it has the phrase sleep in the dust. That means to uh, be one who's died and is buried. Now, it is not a description of soul sleep, as some false teachers would teach. But the scriptures never represent the soul as sleeping. Sleep is an activity of the body. Some of you are tempted right now to engage in that, that activity, right? Okay, I'll hurry. Referring to the dead as asleep emphasizes the ease that which God will awaken them and bring them back from the dead in the resurrection. Now, in answer to an important question about this passage, why did the angel say, 
many will awake and not all will awake. Well, apparently he did so to stress the fact that those Jews who die because of the Antichrist persecutions will experience resurrection at the end of the period, the tribulation. He's referring to the hope of these Jews in particular. And, and, and to go on from that, uh, the wording clarifies that not all will arise. Some will experience resurrection at other times in history. And that's, uh, we see that in 1 Thessalonians as well as Revelation 20. Tribulation martyrs will be resurrected just prior to the establishment of the millennial reign for their allotment in the golden age. That's Revelation 20. So as we compare Scripture with Scripture, we realize there will be a gap of a thousand years, known as the millennium, between the resurrections described here in verse 2 and uh, Revelation 20 explains this consecutively as the first resurrection, the thousand years, and the resurrection when death and hell delivered up the dead. And where would they go? To the great white throne judgment. Those who will be sent to the lake of fire experience what we call the second death. Now it's important to think carefully about the words here in verse 2, and some to shame and some to everlasting contempt. Now, these words kind of would pose a question for us. Do these verses describe your tragic end or your new beginning? Now, some insist that heaven's bliss is everlasting, but the sinner's punishment will not be everlasting. Those who say this need to take another look at this verse. What's it say? Some to everlasting life, and some to shame and what? everlasting contempt. And so the punishment for sin, for not uh, accepting Christ as your Savior, uh, is everlasting. There's a missionary who was contacted by a man in the Tenic region of the mountains of Mexico. And when the missionary visited the man, he asked if he had any questions. Well, the man immediately responded, how can I have eternal life? And with great joy, the missionary was able to lead the man to the Lord. You see, to have eternal life, you must mix your personal faith with the promises of God. And one of the great promises of God is in John 10, where it says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. John 10, 27 and 28. So have you listened to the shepherd's voice or the word of God and followed him? You see, uh, Jesus Christ, by dying on the cross for your sins, being buried and rising again from the dead, Jesus grants eternal life to those who put their faith in him. These have everlasting life and shall never perish. But Daniel chapter 12, verse 2 and 3, describes an everlasting contempt. Now, Revelation 20 and verse 15 explains, whoever was not found in written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. How long were they going to be there? Forever. And maybe that raises a question for you. Are these verses describing your tragic end? or your new beginning.
The Antichrist is going to be defeated. He's going to be cast into the lake of fire. In Matthew chapter 25, verse 41, Jesus describes the words uh, that no man will ever want to hear. He said in Matthew 25, 41, Then shall he say unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Now, we should not miss that. The everlasting fire was prepared for the devil and his angels, but human beings, such as the Antichrist, the false prophet, and everyone who receives the mark of the beast will be placed there for all eternity. Sometimes we question, well, where will you spend eternity? You know, maybe you've heard a tract that says, where will you spend eternity? But maybe we shouldn't be asking that question not speaking of spending eternity, because eternity cannot be spent. It will never end. You know, when you spend, you know, you get $20 and you spend it at the grocery store, it's gone. You got the food, right? But you eat the food and then it's gone. But it's spent. Eternity will never be spent because it'll be forever. Revelation 21 verse 8 records the tragedy this way. But the fearful and the unbelieving and the abominable and the murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Unrepentant murderers and liars are destined for the lake of fire. Will that be your tragic end? It'll be an awful, awful place. Now, I believe many, if not most, and I hope all of you, are rejoicing that you have eternal life and need not fear the fires of hell. You see, to you, verse 3 is especially significant. Verse 3, And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. You know, picture these shining saints in the coming messianic age these are the wise. How are they wise? Made wise by the wisdom of God's word. These are the witnesses. They turn many to righteousness through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And like the stars in the sky, these saints of God will shine brightly for all of eternity. That's a new beginning for those who have eternal life. Their destiny is to shine forth in a brilliant manner. May God grant us grace to be wise and to turn many others to the Savior and enjoy the rewards that he will give us. Now, as I close this afternoon, I just uh, couldn't help but think of a message that I have in my sermon file, which I have quite a few messages there. It's kind of accumulating over, over time. And uh, I don't know what I'm going to do with them when I'm all done, but... Uh, uh, maybe they make a nice bonfire. But I have a message there in my sermon file that I've preached on more than one occasion. I don't know if I, I think I probably preached it here a long time ago. But it, in fact, I preached it at my father's funeral, and it was entitled, Who are the Wise? And I was uh, able to uh, take that message and uh, compare it with uh, my father's life. But uh, 
It's based on Daniel chapter 12, verse 3, and they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they shall turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. And then it's also based on Ephesians uh, chapter 5 and uh, verse uh, 17. Ephesians 5, 17 says, Wherefore, be ye not understanding, or be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And my father was not perfect, but I believe he was a wise man. Who are the wise? Well, first of all, those who accept Christ as their Savior. So it talks about salvation begins with the hearing of the word of God. And the way of salvation is to put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the Holy Spirit convicts a sinner of sin, and the sinner then repents or rejects uh, the reproving of the Holy Spirit. So who are the wise? Those who accept Christ as their Savior. Who are the wise? Those who understand the will of the, the Lord. What's the will of the Lord concerning you and salvation? God is not willing that any should perish but all should come to repentance. Uh, what is the will of God concerning your education? What is the will of God concerning your occupation? What is the will of God uh, in regard to your life's partner? You know, we need, when we're looking for God's will, we need to obey his written will. We need to find Bible principles to follow. We need to seek godly counsel that God has put into our lives. We need to delight in the Lord. We need the direction from the Holy Spirit, and we need a confirmation from God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Those who accept Christ, those who understand the will of the Lord, and then thirdly, those who shine and turn many to righteousness. And that's what uh, Daniel chapter 12, verse 3 is. If we will be the witnesses that God would have us to be, then we're going to be a shining light and will turn many to righteousness. And then, fourthly, those who present their body to the Lord. Our bodies are to be a, a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable. It's our reasonable service. So have you trusted in Jesus for your salvation? Do you understand the will of the Lord for your life? Does your life... Shine, and are you turning many to righteousness? And have you presented your body to the Lord? Now, I gave you the brief message there in that conclusion. There's a lot more that could be said and was said in those, in those but I gave you the, the basic outline there, and I think it's uh, worthy of sharing with you. Let's pray. Father,